Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Somebody asked me uh, this week, they said, how are you doing? I said, good, actually really good, uh, because there is nothing better in this world than to dive into the depths and the mysteries and the wonders of what God has done through Jesus on the cross and how it applies to life. It's not theoretical. Listen, if it's theoretical, you just haven't opened the present. Like theoretical Christianity is where you come down on Christmas evening, a Christmas morning and go, wow, what a beautiful tree. What a wonderful pile of presents. Let's just give Jesus a praise offering, right? No! Have you ever seen a child do that? Thank you, mother and father, for all these presents. If I may go have breakfast. Does a child ever do that? No. No. In fact, at that point, they're like, brother, sister, I'm really sorry. Out of my way. Trip, shove. I'm getting mine, right? And that's the reality is Jesus on the cross paid for everything. Now, I need to sell you something is over time as we go through life and things aren't working out quite the way we expect, we start putting asterisks next to everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I know it says everything, but you know, you know, you know, right? But I would submit to you, it's either everything or it's nothing. It's either everything or it's nothing. Now, our understanding might be a little skewed, but I want to encourage us to belly up to the bar, to raise the bar, because it's only when we raise the bar to everything that we start to discover what's included. I've said this before, years, for years I prayed for healing this way. Oh, Jesus, let it, if it be your will. And you know, I had a 100% batting average of zero. I mean, if people got, got healed, it was like, I had a cold for three months, but then I got healed. Right? You know what I mean? Like, and, but then I began, we began to pray. I was like, I, even, I didn't even know how to pray this. I've said this before, but I said, I told people, I said, I don't know this to be true. But I've heard that people who say it's always God's will to be healed, see, 100, see people get healed. So I'm going to say it's always God's will to be healed. Isn't that a great word of faith? And guess what? The first person I prayed for, they were paralyzed, had no feeling from here to here, began to have feeling. And I myself did not believe. I didn't believe before or after, actually. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> right? You know, the, but I want you to know is you'll never know what's in the gospel until you take it for a spin. Um, uh, Brian, Brian Mitchell, where art thou? I've lost you somewhere in the mix. I'll just use his name in vain then. Uh, Brian, Brian, I was talking to him. I said, how are you doing this week? And he said, actually, I did what you said, Peter. Um, and I've been really diving into Galatians. Like, you know, I kept saying, you might want to read the whole book. And he said, I've actually been listening to it online, listening to it. Listen, I don't care how you get at the word, just get at the word. I don't care how you get the word in you, get the word in you. Do you understand? Some of us here are hearers. Some of us are readers. Some of us are, are writers. I've done that where I'll rewrite a passage because I'm like, I don't understand it. So I'll just rewrite it. That slows me down and makes me think about it. I, I me memorizing. There's a thousand ways to get at scripture. Just get at it. Find your way and get at it and let it get in you. And I loved what... what um, 
what Brian said, he said, I'm seeing how much, how earthy it is, how real it is, uh, how it really is the core of the gospel. And I was just like, I'm done. I, I, I know, Lisa, you've said this to me. Warren, you've said this. Wow, as a result of a message on Sunday, you went home and, and tried to figure out if I was actually talking about what I was talking about and write in the, bo the book itself. What a novel concept. If you come away, I don't think you know what you're talking about and therefore go read your Bible, I'm done. I win. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. Does that make sense? I don't expect you to take me at my word. I expect you to take him at his. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm having more fun than is legal. Hey, um, uh, Roderick, if you could just jump to Galatians 3.1, that would be great, and we'll come back to that first bit in a minute. Oh, so guys, if you have uh, been with us, um, we've been talking about this fact that Paul wrote this book to Galatians. The Galatians were four churches in four different cities where he had spent a lot of time. They were up the road from where he lived and he had been ministering there. But before he got to even minister there, right? You guys remember he was a guy who hated Christians, tried to kill them until Jesus stopped him in his tracks. Nobody is too far for Jesus to meet. So in that place, what does he do? He immediately begins to preach the gospel. It does not go well. They run him out of town. He thereby spends three months, three years in the desert getting to know Jesus on a per close and personal way. Anybody been then in that place? And then he immediately goes to the mission field at home. Where he's there for 14 years. <laughs> but Lord, the very, when he got saved, the first prophetic word over him by Ananias was, you will be God's mouthpiece to the Gentiles throughout the world. That's the word over his life. 17 years. <laughs> um, we talked about this. Masha and I have talked about, you guys know the phrase in child rearing? The, the years are long. Uh, the days are long, but the years are short. What does that mean? Anybody been in a day that seemed eternal? Anybody who has a child that's not sleeping through the night? Anybody know that the time between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. lasts about 43 hours? Especially when a child is crying, right? There, there, there is long, but then suddenly you wake up and they're 16. What I want to say with that is, is that God has a calling on each of our lives. And it's big. But anybody here tried to get the big all in one shot? Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? And God goes, listen, I've got this huge destiny over you. Okay. Welcome to my process. <laughs> right? Isn't that so, right? But the reality is if you submit to his process, it goes incredibly quickly. One day at a time, some... So for, for, for consistent obedience leads to rapid change and rapid breakthrough, but over time. But if we are only trying to get to the end, we'll never see that process. And so Paul submitted that process, and in due season, God did what? Sent Barnabas, who brought him out, and they went on mission trips, and God did great things, and the gospel spread it throughout the world as a result. Pretty awesome, right? But 17 years in the waiting. Some of you might be going, it's too late. I don't have a 17 years left. Moses was 80 when he started his. <laughs> it's never too late. Never too late. 
So in this place, he goes to the Galatians, he preaches the gospel. They are excited. They're wonderful. They're, they're transformed. Um, they don't know much, but they know that they love him. And, uh, and it's wonderful. And then Paul goes away. And who comes in? This is a test, by the way. Who comes in after him? A couple, a bunch of super teachers of two groups. There were two groups. You guys remember the two groups? Sadducees and Pharisees. Oh, I'm going to cry. I just, uh, you guys make me so happy. So the Sadducees, the Sadducees, and they're sad. And the Pharisees, they think they're fair, but they ain't. All right, the Sadducees are only interested in what? If it works, Right? I don't care how it works, just make it work, right? You say, say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sure. Name of the Holy I don't even believe in him, but make it work. Magic, right? And uh, the Pharisees, what do they care about? Law and being right, right? Doesn't matter if it manifests in your life, just be right. And anybody known someone who is so obsessed with doing the right thing, but they have nothing to show in their life as a result? Except they want to bite you. Self, self-righteousness is a beautiful thing. But what do we talk about? The gospel. The gospel is Jesus. He's in the middle. And what is he doing? He is saying, not, you're not right. But in me, I make you right with God. And out of that, he says, greater works than me will you do. Right? And those works are meant to be supernatural. Listen, if everything in your life just looks like you, you haven't opened that present yet. That should be really encouraging, right? Because if, if your life isn't working, guess what? He wants to work in and through you, right? So chapter three, just this is, this is, uh, this is the repeat just to get you back up to speed. Verse three, he, uh, he goes, what does he say? Oh, um, you know, oh, yeah, he talks about in, in two that he died to the law. He couldn't, he couldn't make him right. In fact, it real, uh, revealed to him he couldn't be. But that Christ in him, it's his life in me. That does everything. He said, verse 1 of chapter 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, has tricked you, before your very eyes, Christ was portrayed as crucified. In other words, it's one and done, no repeats. I, and it was enough for all. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? No. Anybody here? I have a, I, we have a friend. Um, how do I not use details? It, it's not in this country, so, uh, but this goes around the world, so I have to. Um, she um, wanted the gift of speaking in tongues for years. And she was very right, right? She kept all the rules. And, but once you see all the keeping the rules doesn't get you that, get you speaking in tongues, what do you switch to? Works, right? So, okay, so what's the trick? Start saying Puerto Rico. Or whatever, you know, like, like you start to, you're just trying to figure out some way to, you know, wrap your head in aluminum foil, you know, try, in a thunderstorm, whatever, you know, and, and, and it wouldn't work. And she got so frustrated and she was like, and she just got to the point where she was like, I don't care. I got to have this. And she went on a long, I think like 20 hour bus trip to this other city in Russia for a conference to get it. <laughs> and she didn't get it. And on the way back on the bus ride home, suddenly she was speaking in tongues. <laughs> God is so funny. <laughs> it's not by your efforts and it's not by works. It's by his grace. 
Are you so foolish? Have you been getting by the Spirit? Are you trying to finish, complete yourself in means of the flesh? Because that's what they came in. They said there's higher levels, right? Have you experienced so much in vain? Is it really in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you a spirit or work miracles among you by the works of the law, doing all the right things or whichever way, or by what? Believing what you've heard. Now, you guys remember, how much did I believe when I saw my first healing? If you have a mustard seed of faith. Here's my little mustard seed, Jesus. He doesn't need a lot. He doesn't. He's like, how about I'll take that little bit and we'll get it. How much faith did I have afterwards? So I took that and I moved that to the next one. And moved to the next one. And moved to the further. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> um, so my question is, what if we have not heard the good news? What if what we were presented was this or this? Right? Because this is, I mean, a lot, like a lot of the denomination stuff falls into these two camps right now. Right? Just show, like, just make it work. Just miracle signs and wonders. Produce it. Right? Whatever thereby, it takes. And thereby show that you're right. <laughs> or write theology. Have all your ducks in a row. Right? <laughs> Study for years and years. A lot of knowledge. Right? No power. No power to be right. How many, how many thought if you knew enough, you would no longer sin? Strangely, didn't quite work out that way. So it's over here. Right? It's in Jesus. But how many of us have heard, I have, heard a gospel that was presented through one of these lenses? Right? And then I believe in that, and I'm walking that out, and it's a hamster um, race, right? You just, you never catch up. You never measure up. There's just never enough, right? No matter what you do, there's just never enough. And you're like, what? I must not know another secret. There must be another level in heaven. <laughs> okay, can I go there? No. <laughs> guys, guys, I want you to know the most pernicious most abusive, most controlling, most far-spread uh, heresy, which means a lie about Jesus, is what's called Gnosticism. That there are secrets. There are, if you have the right knowledge, you can somehow get to where you need to be. Listen, uh, anybody here heard Gospel 2.0? This is Gospel 2.0. Yes, you're right. You could not do it on your own. So God has made you right in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now it's up to you to stay right on your own. Anybody? Isn't and go higher and higher. Yep. Right? To go up in all these levels and all this, defeat all the devils or whatever, whatever, <laughs> well, whatever it, your thing well, is, And I right? want to say with both of these, they are about externals because they have no power over the internal. Mm -hmm. If you read Judaism, Judaism over and over again will tell you they have no answer for the inside. So they attempt to control the outside. And that's why Jesus said, you don't get dirty from the outside. It's coming out from the inside, at which point every Pharisee went, ah! <laughs> wow. So I want to say to you, 
that if it's not producing, like Paul actually talks, then being in those ditches is actually a curse. And the curse is a life of diminishing returns. Remember Genesis 3 where he says, through your sweat and toil, right? right. You'll get your bread, but that it will, there will all these thorns and everything up come up in the process. Like you cannot win for losing, right? Is yep. that the right? So if you're experiencing curse in your life, where you keep working and you keep doing and you keep being right, but it's, you keep being pushed backwards, I would submit to you that maybe you have not heard and maybe you have not believed. And there's no shame in that. There is no shame in not opening a Christmas present. You just belly up to the bar. But there is more. Yeah. I feel like we're barely scratching the surface. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're barely... Like, I think as good as this is and as free as this is, and I, I feel like we're barely even opening the first box, right? I think one of the most dangerous places to be, and I've been there, is if you're really good at running after God in your own strength. You know why? Anybody here, who, who, are, who are my people? You have managed to get to the top of a down escalator. Do you know what I'm talking about? Come on, boys. You boys, you know you did. You are going to win one way or another. And you're running as hard as you can. And the person in the up one's going, and you're like, and you get to the top and you're like, Mount Everest conquered. The most terrifying place to be is if you can actually, by your own effort, produce a little bit of works, a little bit of rightness. Why? Because you think it's working. But if it's not his power moving through you, effortlessly creating more than you ever could, then you haven't opened the present. So Merry Christmas. Come on. So I want to today, I'm going to take a left turn at Albuquerque if it's okay. And I want to talk about somebody who was dumb enough to open the presence of the gospel. <sighs> One of my absolute favorites, a guy from the 5th century, 4th century, a guy by the name of Patrick. Guys, no, we're about to celebrate his birthday with a whole lot of green things. St. Patrick, right? So I want to take you. This is one of my favorites because, and he'll tell you at the end of his life, I was not smart enough. But he was, he was dumb enough to believe the gospel and to take it for a spin. He was dumb enough to believe that he didn't have to have everything figured out, everything, all the answers to go out and find that God was the answer. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, all right. So the life of St. Patrick. I want to introduce you to a guy. Maybe I, uh, I, I, the more I dig into his life, the more happy I get. All right, so Patrick was a guy. He was born in Scotland. Did not know that. He was born in southern Scotland to a Roman official who was also a deacon in the church. His dad had actually been a priest back then. Priest could marry. And uh, he was in this, about this area of Scotland. And at this point, uh, my history people know that the Roman Empire officially stopped at uh, Hadrian's Wall, but the Roman influence had been in Britain for 400 years, kind of like the United States, right? The culture we live in now, the structures, the blessings are the benefit of 400 years of growth, right? It didn't just happen. It was incremental, generational increase. And as a result, the southern part of Scotland was really kind of Roman. In, uh, he was born about 385, 390 at the worst time. Why? The Roman Empire just split in two halves. Basically, the rich half, the east half, let the west half go. And the western half was falling apart. 
And right in this place, what happened is, as a result, Irish, um, uh, uh, right about this time, uh, oh, in a minute, uh, they were already the Roman influence is decreasing, and the, and the Irish raiders and the Scottish raiders are increasing. And he gets kidnapped when he's about 16 years old and taken to Ireland as a slave. Now, at Ireland at that time was a, ruled by 15, 150 different kingdoms, and they engaged in wonderful things like, oh, I don't know, human sacrifice. Uh, man, that would liven up your service, right? Uh, I mean, it, it was not a good place to be. They had a very bad human rights record. And so anyway, he most likely was right there in that circle. There's a mountain called Slamish. Uh, I can never, Slamish? I can never say it. Anyway, there's a mountain right there. And he herded sheep on that there, out in the cold. Do you know what the weather is today? 39 degrees and raining right there. He was out there with nothing, hardly any clothes, out there with sheep, starving for six years. He's out there on a mountain where from that, you see that little gap right there? That gap's only 12 miles. He could see his homeland, but he was unable to get there because it was open sea and it was very dangerous sea, but also there were these tribes around him. He did not speak the language. He was abandoned. But to make it even worse, even though he was born in the church, he didn't believe in Jesus. He had never taken him for a spin. There on the backside of the mountain, he figured he had nothing else to do. It was just him and a bunch of sheep. Guess what? He started to trust Jesus. And he fell in love with Jesus. Jesus was more than enough for him, even though he was starving. But let me tell you, Jesus, if Jesus is enough for you, Jesus won't leave you alone where you're at. And in the middle, about six years in, he, so he was about 22, he heard a voice. The voice of God said, now's the time, leave. What did he do? He left. Remember, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He knew he had to get home, but the problem is he had a 12 miles of open sea to cross. Nothing to do it in. God led him. Then another voice, God showed him where to go to meet a ship. And he met the ship. And he, there were guys, there was a ship right there. Hallelujah. And you know what the guys in the ship said? Oh no, we will never take you across. Why? Because they were pirates <laughs> who don't do anything. And uh, anyway, and they, they, were, they, were, they, they were traitors and pirates. I don't know how you determine which one you're going to be that day. But anyway, and he, so he prayed because God has shown him he was going to do it, right? If God's led you to a place, wait, wait. So he prayed. He went away and prayed like, I don't know, a couple hundred yards away. And then they came running for him a few hours later. Hey, hey, hey we decided you can come with us. So he gets on the boat and he goes on. And when they get to the other side, guess what? They run out of food. <laughs> you know what? You only get to open packages when you run out of human options. Are you tracking with me? His strength is made perfect in what? Our weakness. And so, uh, you know, so they turned on him. You say you've got God. Pray to God. <laughs> How's that? I don't know about you, but nobody's singing a worship service. Nobody's singing Kumbaya, nothing. Yeah. And what does he do? He prays to God and guess what? A huge herd of pigs runs out of the forest and they had wonderful barbecue that night. <laughs> guess what? For the next 28 days till he got home with those people never lacked for food. Why? Because of Patrick. The world around you should be blessed because you're in it. The Ark of the Covenant, when it was in the man's house, brought blessing on the house. 
How much greater an Ark of the Covenant are you? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The world around you should be blessed in tangible ways. Okay. So he gets home. Hallelujah. And mama said, you are never leaving home again. You don't even get to go to the garden. <laughs> right? So he's home. And ha, I can take a hot bath. Everything's wonderful. And God wakes him in a dream with the cries of the Irish people, the people who enslaved him. He said, I heard them from the womb crying out, come and deliver us. Anybody here made, made vows? I will never go there. <laughs> you think he had a few of those? If I get back here, I am never, ever going to Ireland again, right? But in that place, he comes over to the other side. So that later, very quickly after he's back, he's, he, he gets this dream. I don't know how quickly he said yes to God, but within that year, he has agreed, God, I will go to Ireland. In about 412, he says, yes, I will go to Ireland. So he's, he's probably about 23 right now. And of course, he goes straight to Ireland because that's what you do. Eh. He says, yes. Where does he go? He goes to the French Riviera. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's an upgrade over Irish weather. Sorry, Cody, but it really is. I'm sorry. It really is. The cold, dark. You know, I mean, you don't leave. This is not good. But he, why? Why does he go to the French Riviera? It wasn't really the Riviera at that time. But um, he goes to this place called Laren because he goes to his priest and he says, guys, I, I feel called to, to Ireland. And they wisely said, okay, we hear you, but you ain't ready. Having the zeal, having the desire is the first step. But then there's a process. So he goes to this monastery in Larens and he learns and he grows. And after three years, they're like, you're ready. He says, yes. And so from there, he went back up to a, a monastery called Auxerre. See, in the monastery, he was learning life in community. Do you, anybody know you don't need the fruit of the spirit if you're, if you're all by yourself? You only need fruit of the spirit when you actually rub up against people because they rub you wrong. Right? And so he's learning that in community. Did he learn the fruit of the spirit on the backside of the mountain? Not as much. <laughs> you know, I mean, sheep don't really get the fruit of the spirit very much. So as a result, he goes back. Why does he do this? Because he has people in his life who are older and wiser, who have the Holy Spirit, who give him direction. So he goes up to Auxerre. And in Auxerre, there's an amazing guy by the name of Germain one of the most ama really amazing guy, and he learns at his feet. But you know what he also does? He gets sent out to be a parish priest. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to Ireland, not deal with a bunch of Frenchies. Right? And there he is in that place. He's there. But then he's there for 15 years. <laughs> I said yes, Jesus. I said yes. <laughs> I don't even like my guests. And then, but what was happening in the meantime? The Irish people, there were maybe a few Christians among them, but they sent a bishop there, a guy by the name of Palladius, and the, the church did. But there was something else going on in the background. Do you know what happened in 410? They, uh, well, in 401, the, the Roman Empire began to fall. Rome was sacked. 
the world was crumbling. And in the middle of this, they, you know, they were a Christian country for about 100 years at this point since Constantine. But do you know what they were still doing? They had gladiatorial battles. In about 390, a guy by the name of Telemachus went to Rome to see the wonders of the church of glory. And that's what he saw, people killing each other for sport and everybody applauding. And he jumped down into the middle of these gladiators and said, stop it! And the gladiators killed him. And all the people watching in horror suddenly realized what they were watching. And they stood up and walked out. Within about 10 or 15 years, all gladiatorial fights were banned. In the middle of this, they had a, a, Christian, a cultural Christianity in a government that said it was Christian, but the reality was the fruit was just crumbling in front of their eyes. And in the middle of this, in 410, they removed all the troops out of England, all the Roman troops. Basically, Rome gave up on England. So, so here he is, his world is crumbling all around him, right? But does his faith in the Roman government? No. Is his faith in the Roman church? His faith is in the gospel. And he's learned this. He's learned about caring for people as a parish priest. He's learned about community in a monastery. And find, in the middle of this, somebody else gets his job. Anybody been there? <laughs> they said Bishop Palladius, he hates the Irish in the first place. I think he got in trouble. That's why they sent him there. And Palladius comes back and he goes, no, they'll never become Christians. They're horrible people. That was literally his report. You can look it up. It's hilarious. I mean, he obviously had the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> and as a result, because Palladius had failed so horribly, they were willing to give a no-name parish priest by the name of Patrick a shot. And they sent him to Ireland. 21, 23 years later. If you are waiting, if you're in a process, if you're in the middle of discovering the depths of the gospel in your life and your promises seem far off, they could be just one day away. Right? Because he was, after all those years, he was further away geographically from his goal. Further away. But the evidence of the fact that he'd been learning the gospel was what? When he got there, Palladius had zero effect in the gospel. What did, what did Patrick do? Patrick walked in and he knew, he knew Galatians. Because what did he do? He did exactly what Paul did. He said, listen guys, I'm not smart. I, I don't know much. But I'll tell you what. I know a God who's more powerful than your gods that you're afraid of. Your gods that you're so afraid of, you give your children to be burned for. I know a God. And time after time, he had these, these encounters. One time, it was so funny, he, he gathered a few people, finally got a few people to believe in Jesus. It was wonderful. They had a little service. So he set a fire. And he didn't know, but this was the holy night I think it was a Samhain or, or something like that, where they would, they, cut, they killed all the fires in the land and there was one fire that they would light for their God. And, and what happened is he's on another hill far away and he sets a fire because it's a service. Let's just have, you know, they were having a campfire service. And the king sees that fire get, and the Druids say, if that fire is not put out, we will, that fire will consume all of Ireland. It, you've got to go put it out. So the king goes to kill him. And guess what? Whew. 
wind comes in, clouds come in, ever, over and over again, signs be are performed. You know, and it, he wasn't trying to pick a fight with the enemy, but guess what? God shows up. When you step out in obedience, God shows up. And in that place, over and over again, you see sign. I would recommend, look for a thing. There's lots of weird, random, fakey miracles they attribute to Patrick, like turning beer green. But he, if you look up reliable miracles, as a historian, they cannot say any other reason. But in his lifetime, Ireland became Christian. A country that the world had given up on, even as his own world was crumbling. And if you've ever read a book, there's a book called How the Irish Saved a Western Civilization. Why? It was through Patrick saying yes. Not through trying to save Roman civilization. Not through trying to save the Roman church. But by being obedient to the call of God on his life to bring heaven to earth through the gospel to those who'd never heard. Masha says something about this, and I'm sorry I'm going to get you in trouble. I probably can't say it as well as she. She's terrified now. Many people are wailing and moaning about the loss of freedoms in this land. I would say to you, in the words of Masha, what have you been doing with your freedom up till now? Have you been using your freedom? Do those around you know the gospel? Listen, listen, listen. The people next to you, Facebook has no authority over the people next to you. Well, that got awkward. Listen, listen, I've got to tell you, Patrick took authority where he was called rather than being distracted by the crumbling society around him. Patrick took authority in the places where he had authority. God, through his slavery, in his slavery, he learned the language. Through that, he learned the culture. He learned where the real battles were. The battles were not in theology. The battles was, were, they needed to see that the demons they served would bow to the name of Jesus. Those around us are enslaved in a thousand different ways and they need to know that their slavery bows the name, at the name of Jesus. They need to know that they are set free, not by knowing the tricks or the theology, but by coming to know, the, receiving the free gift of Jesus Christ. But I want to say it again. If you're in the middle of a process, don't give up. Don't give up. It's not too late. Unless you give up. What, what, did, uh, what did Cassandra say? You're not... Def- yeah, if you don't quit, you win. Another way to say is, if you don't quit, you're going to get the breakthrough. But if you quit, you lose. All right. Persistence works. Just close your eyes for a second. Close your neighbor's eyes too if you feel like it. Um, I feel like there's a series of things that we allow to disqualify the gospel in our lives. It could be our sin. It could be the failures that we've experienced. Could be the family we grew up in and and the traumas that we've experienced. It could be the society we live in. I don't know what it is, but none of it disqualifies you and me. None of it. None of it is. 
unless we let it. What I want to take, do right now is I want you to take whatever it is that you feel disqualifies you. Maybe it's the length of time you've been in your process. Maybe. I, would, I welcome us to take it and say, Jesus, please forgive me for letting this speak louder than your blood. Letting this disqualify me. And Lord, I receive in its place your power and your life to qualify me, to empower me. I would also submit that not a single one of us does not have a call of God on our lives to expand the kingdom of God in the world around us through the relationships that we have, to bring the world into encounter with his love, to transform a world that is always, always, always falling apart. Read history. This is nothing new. No, <laughs> God is not shocked. He's not horrified. Listen, we're still in the best of times, but it's, it's the best is yet to come. So what I want you to do right now is ask God, renew in me, what is the call on my life? Now, mothers, fathers, your children are part of your call, but they are supposed to come into your call. They're not supposed to be your call. What is your call? You might say, I missed my call. It's not too late. What is the call of God in your life? And you might say, it's too much. Exactly. Exactly. It is too much. But his power is enough to move through you. His power is enough to move through you. You and I will never know the power of the gospel until we take it out for a spin. Until we bring it to a dying world. Until we bring it to bear on the problems of life. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have condemned the very people we're called to. Forgive us for the ways that we have cursed the very people we're called to love. Lord, we ask you right now, cleanse our hearts and give us your heart, even as you gave Patrick the heart for the Irish, that you would give us your heart to bring the gospel to each person, to each person we touch. If we could have the worship team come up. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Ah. This is really a big deal because more often than not for us, we may believe the gospel in theory, but we disqualify it in practice in our lives. Does that make sense? We have, we have situations, we have relationships. You're like, I could say yes to Jesus, but I'm married to... I could say yes to Jesus, but I've got these. I could say yes to Jesus, but I'm stuck in a job where I can't make ends meet. We disqualify ourselves, right? Or I could say yes to, to you, but I still haven't met Mr. or Miss Wright. Listen, today is the day to say yes. Today is the day to say yes. And, and I will say that we've said this before, that a, the, if the gospel flows into you and doesn't flow out of you, it makes a swamp and eventually loses its power. But when the gospel flows in you and through you to a dying world, it, the power increases exponentially. Listen, if all we have is power over sin in our lives, but we've not learned that the power is actually his love flowing through us to a dying world, 
We've missed it. And eventually it becomes self-absorbed, which is by itself sin, right? If we could stand. Father, I just ask right now that you would reaffirm the power of your gospel, the power of your call, and the fact that in no way are we disqualified in this season. Lord, fill us with hope. Fill us with joy. Fill us with courage that to say yes to you for the things you've called us to do.